0: Well, good morning. So good to see all of you here today at Rock Hills. And I do want to just echo what Heather said. If you're here today for the first time, we want you to know that you are welcome in this place. If you're a regular around here or somewhere in between, we're glad to have you here today as well. I don't believe it's an accident that any of you are here today. So my prayer is that God speaks to every single one of you. Josh, just let us in that new song that I like so much. And it's, it's so good, but yet it's nothing really creative. I mean, it's, like you said, it's just straight from Scripture for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, and that 's such a good reminder you know in our house, uh, some of you may or may not know, but we adopted a son from China last year, and so the English language is still coming together. We adopted him at thirteen he 's fourteen now, and he 's done great i mean so much better than you or I would have right, just jumping into a, a new language he 's picked it up so good, uh, but one thing that we 've noticed is just how some of the sentences come together sometimes and so, anything that follows the word "so" has become very much an adjective of stressing how much something is. Right? We understand that. Like, I'm so sleepy. Right? I'm so hungry. But he can apply that to anything. Right? I mean, this afternoon is so football. Right? Tomorrow is so Monday. And so, just hearing that song in that verse for me was in a whole new light. For God so loved. Because it's about God's love and how much he loves us and how his love has intervened in our lives. And so just hearing that phrasing and in light of our context as a family, for God so loved. His love is so good. And that's what we've been talking about here uh, in this Rooted series that we're going to finish up today is how much God has loved us. How, my, how our responsibility to really be rooted in God and then produce a harvest to make our lives matter for something means that we now love God and we love others. And when we talk about what our church as a local church is rooted in, what our foundation is, that's it right there to love God, and to love others. So we're going we're gonna to wrap up this series today. And next week, we're going to celebrate 10 years. And I'm so excited about that, uh, just getting together, looking back at all that God has done, and also looking forward just in light of being rooted. That's what this is all about. And if you need extra motivation to come, Raul is barbecuing for everybody. And so... That's enough reason right there. Here, here's here's a, a little thing I've discovered. And, um, you know, I'm no scholar in church growth, but I can give you a secret to tell you how to double our church in one week. It's simply this. Just bring one person with you. And I dare you to make us run out of seats next week. And I dare you to make us run out of barbecue next week. And I dare you to make us run out of the free t-shirts, by the way, that we have for everybody next week. And so we're going to have all kinds of good stuff. Invite somebody old, maybe, that used to come to Rock Hills and just got out of the habit of going. Or maybe you invite somebody new to come with you. But I'm looking forward to celebrating that. But let me remind you. As we continue to grow as a church, and I do hope that we continue to grow, and I hope that we continue to have great messages and great worship, great programs for your kids and events where you guys can get to know one another and connect. I hope that we have great food next week, and I hope that the t-shirts make you all look incredibly attractive. I hope... uh, That God continues to move in us in such a way that he opens up the door for us to have a permanent home for us as a faith community. However, that's not what this is about. When it all comes down to it, none of those things matter. They're all good and they're enjoyable and we like to see those things happening. But really when it all comes down to it, the question is, did we love? Did we love God and did we love God? People And I mean really love, not just a religious show of, hey, I love you, brother. But I mean, did we really get involved in people's lives? Did we really take our life and use it to love God and to love other people? That's what this is all about. You'll hear us say many times, love God, love others. The way we do that is helping people find and follow Jesus. And we do that through relationship, discipleship, and leadership. And that's how we want to see not only us come closer to one another, but also us grow closer to the Lord as we do that, regardless of where you're from. We serve a God of grace. And so you may have grown up in the church, or you may be somebody who's never been to church before in your life. You haven't cracked open a Bible in years and years and years, but the truth is God can meet you right where you're at, and He can draw you to Him. That's what His grace is all about, and that's the legacy that we want our church to be remembered for. That's the legacy that we want to pass on to our families. That's the legacy that we want to pass on to our community, is I want us to be remembered for the way that we love one another and the way that we love the Lord. And the truth is, is that Every day we're given an opportunity to love. And I'm not just talking about, you know, kind of a surface level emotional love, right? I mean, you can all remember back to middle school when you thought you were in love and aren't you glad that you got a little wiser than that? And, you know, and there's things that we love, like we love tacos, right? I mean, that's, that's worth love right there. But we're talking even bigger than that. And I hope that our community is really remembered for the gift that we have every day to love other people. But that can be hard, Right? I mean, even just this last week as I'm driving through traffic here in San Antonio, and some people are just crazy when they drive. I mean, the only thing they're thinking about is themselves and, you know, where they need to be and nobody else on the road matters. And I'll be honest with you, even as your pastor, in those moments, it's hard for me to love that person who's cutting into your lane, you know, and not wave at them or at least wave at them with all five fingers, right? You know, it's hard sometimes to love. And maybe you you face those situations in your family or people that you work with or you go to school with where sometimes it's just hard to love because there are moments and there are people in our lives, right, that don't deserve our grace. And they don't deserve our love. And they don't deserve our forgiveness. And that's where it gets real. Because are we going to love people? Strangers or people who are close to us when it is hard to love them. Jesus made it clear to us. That's why we're here. That is how they will know that you are a follower of Christ. Is when you can love even in those situations when it is hard to love. Because as we've talked about in this series, the world looks at you. You go to church, you say, most of you I would say, say you're believers, you say you follow Christ, but if they look at you and they don't see love within you, you're loved by Jesus, but I don't see that love in your life. The fruit, like we talked about last week, right? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. They don't see those things in our life. They go, well, why would I want to believe in your Jesus? On the other hand, when we do genuinely love one another, Jesus says that produces evidence of your faith. That will be the marker that shows everyone what you say you believe is legitimate. At the heart and the foundation of who we are is a church, we are here to love God and love others. Love must be our mindset. Love must be the way that we view other people, must be the way that we view our family, the people who are close to us, the people who are hard to love, and the people that are easy to love. It's the perspective that I must view my life through, the lens that I must see through. It must be my motivation and my drive. The way I see others is based on the way that I see God. And if I believe that God has saved me even when I am unlovable, then how in the world can I not love others? 1 John 4.19 says this, We love each other because He loved us first. So based on that verse alone, What good reason do we have to not give grace? To not give forgiveness? To not give an extra measure of joy and patience and kindness? The reason that I do that is because God did it for me. And God did it for you. And we didn't deserve it. We didn't deserve the grace of God. But yet it met us right where we were at. And it met us with no guarantee that we would choose to do the right thing that we would make the right choices, that, that we would choose to follow God, but yet still the love of God meets us where we're at and says, this is the grace of God. It's because He is love. That is the essence of God. If I, I'm going to read that verse more in context here to spell, out, spell it out a little more for you. In 1 John 4, beginning in verse 16, it says this, we know how much God loves us, and we put our trust in His love, God is love, and all who want to live in love live in God, and God lives in them. That makes it pretty simple, right? And as we live in God, our love grows even more perfect. So we are not afraid on the day of judgment, but we can face Him with confidence because we live like Jesus here in this world. And that last sentence is a big step right there. Because we live like Jesus. Like when he was walking the earth, that's when we, how we live when we are walking the earth. You see, God himself is love. And as we love God, we become the love of God to everyone around us as it reminded us we talked about this a few weeks ago John 13:34 Jesus reminded us as I have loved you you should love others we're supposed to love people the same way that Jesus loved them it continues in verse 18 such love has no fear because perfect love expels all fear if we are afraid it is for fear of punishment and this shows that we have not fully experienced the perfect love We love each other because he first loved us. If someone says, I love God, but hates his fellow believer, that person is a liar. For if we don't love people, we can see how can we love God whom we cannot see. The very reason that we are able to love God and should love others is because of the grace that you and I have been given. You see, we're all disqualified. All of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But yet it's his love for us that says, I can take you just as you are and take you and help you to become the person that you were created to be. And because we have been forgiven, we are to forgive others as well. It is his nature. And that there's nothing that you can do that can separate yourself from that. That's what blows me away even further. Not only that God met me and forgave me where I was as a sinner. But it tells us in Romans chapter 8 that there's nothing you can do that will separate yourself from God's love. And it gives these descriptions. No matter how high or how far or how deep. In other words, he's painting this grand picture that says, I don't care How bad you've screwed up. How many people you've hurt. How many times you've let others down. How much of a disappointment you have been. There is nothing that will ever keep God from loving you. And as much as God has loved you. That is how you are supposed to love others. With the same love and the same compassion. So love is our mindset. That is what the glasses that we look through But then love also must be our response. You see, love has to be action. If we just say, well, I I really love that person and think in our heads, okay, I forgive them. And it's all just up here and maybe a little bit in here. But nothing ever comes out of our lives as far as the actions that we take and the way that we live and the way that we treat other people. Well, then it's just kind thoughts, right? And love is a lot more than just kind thoughts. It's, it's great if we start there, but it can't end there with just emotions and just thoughts. Love has to be action. It says in First John three eighteen and 19, Dear children, do not merely say that we love each other. Let us show the truth by our actions. Our actions will show that we belong to the truth. So we will be confident when we stand before God. I read a question in a book a while back that simply said this, what does love require of me? And for our lives to produce a legacy, whether we're just talking about in our homes, in our family, with our friends, or here as a community of faith, I think we always need to be asking ourselves that question, what does love require? What actions are required of me to truly love others. Should I pray for them? Yes, you should. You should pray for other people. That's great. It's a great place to start. But then after we pray, what do we need to get up and do? Love without action, without sacrifice, without selflessness is lacking at best. It's just good intentions. This reminds me of uh, a story in the Gospels that Jesus tells about a lame man. And there's, there's lots of stories about Jesus interacting with people who were in great need. But he paints this story of picture uh, a, a picture of friends that really understood this concept that love does. Love makes sacrifices. Love takes action. Love carries burdens. It goes the extra mile. And... If you're familiar with the Gospels, you may be familiar with this story. But uh, it's this story of a man who had been crippled for all of his life. And he had, he had some friends that heard that Jesus was coming to town. And you can imagine, if you heard that Jesus was coming, and Jesus has been healing people in the different cities and communities that he's been in, the villages that he's gone to, you would go to your friend and you would say, Dude... We're going to get you to Jesus. That's what happened in this situation. This guy can't walk, so they're going to have to carry him. So they put him on a mat and basically carry it as a stretcher to the place where Jesus is going to be speaking. But when they get there, the place is packed. And there's no way that they're going to be able to get their friend to Jesus. Now, the reason I think of this story is because... What good friends these guys must have been. To realize, man, I love you and I want so badly to see God interact with your life. That we're going to do whatever it takes. To carry your friend through town on on a blanket or whatever they had him on. And then it gets really serious. In uh, verse 5, 18, some men carrying a paralyzed man on a sleeping mat tried to take him inside to Jesus, but they couldn't reach him because of the crowd. So they went up on the roof and took off some of the tiles and they lowered the sick man down into the crowd right in front of Jesus. Love does what is hard. Love does what is risky and costly for those around us. These guys with their friend, throw him on my shoulder, we'll climb up on the roof. They get up on the roof and they start dismantling the roof. I mean, you can imagine if this was in really tight and everybody's packed in here and all of a sudden we start hearing noises, right? And then dust is falling down and then all of a sudden here comes Matt on the mat, you know, and they're lowering him down and right in front of everybody. What great risk, what great cost, Because there's no guarantee that it's going to work at all. But they said, I have to get my friend in front of Jesus. And Jesus does go on to heal this man. Because awesome things can happen when our mindset and our response is love. Because we're setting the stage for Jesus to do what only Jesus can do. I read a quote from Mother Teresa that I really liked this week. It said, not all of us can do great things but we can all do small things with great love. And when we trust that God is in control and we're willing to say, God, I'll just do the small things with great love, those small things can turn into the miraculous. It continues in verse 24. It says this, Jesus turned to the paralyzed man and said, Stand up, pick up your mat and go home. Now, Remember, this guy's never walked before. And all of a sudden Jesus is telling him, stand up, walk out of this place and go back to your house. And immediately, as everyone watched, the man jumped up, picked up his mat and went home praising God. Everyone was gripped with great wonder and awe. And they praised God, exclaiming, we have seen amazing things today. When we are willing to step into other people's messes, step into their problems and say, I'm going to carry that burden with you. I'm not just going to pray for you. I'm not just going to pat you on the back and say, hey, hope you have a great week. But I'm going to step into the mess with you and show you the love of God. We set the stage for God to do what only God can do. Because we can look at the problems and go, how much of a difference is it really going to make? But really the truth is we just need to be faithful. And God has told us, here's the most important thing in your life. Love God and love your neighbor as yourself. He'll take care of the rest. As we help people find and follow Jesus, God will step in and do what we could never do. Our responsibility is just simply to say, yes, God, I am available. When we're willing to do that, love becomes the answer that we've all longed for. Yeah, we can understand on a surface level, yes, love is something we all need in our lives, but I'm talking about even greater than that. I believe that as we love God and love others, Like I said, we not only set the stage for God to come in and do what only He can do, but I believe that God can redeem and God can restore everything that has been broken and damaged. As the love of God comes in, He can fill in the gaps, the scars, the brokenness that has been caused by sin within our lives. When we love God and love others... It's, it's the intersection of where our natural response and our natural mindset sets the stage for the supernatural to occur. It says this in 1 Peter 4.8, Above all, that means above everything else, love each other deeply, because love covers a multitude of sins. As Peter writes this, In his epistle, he's encouraging people who follow Christ. He's saying, hey, if you follow Christ above everything else, you need to be loving people. You better be sure that you are loving people. Because as we live this out, as we realize this is our calling to love people, it fills in the gaps that our lives have caused. Because we've all sinned and we've all made poor choices. And anytime we sin, it leaves a gap within our lives but the love of God can come in and fill those gaps. Love covers a multitude of sins. In other words, it comes in and it restores and it redeems. There's no limit to what God can do in your life as you love God and love people. You don't, I believe you don't even understand the potential of your life of what God can do as you love God and you love people. And for us as a church community, there is no limit to what God can do in and through this church as we love God and we love people. So where do we start? Where, I mean, practically, where do we start if we're going to say, okay, God, I want to love, love you. Help me to love you better and help me to love people. Well, I dare you just to make that prayer. God... Show me somebody that I can love this week, and you better be ready because I believe God will put somebody in your path, and you'll probably be thinking, oh, that is not the answer I was hoping for. That is not the person I wanted you to put in my life this week, and that's probably the green light right there saying, yes, do it. Love your neighbor. You can step outside your door, look to your left and right, and you'll find your neighbor really easy. Uh, I heard a old preacher story. I remember it from when I was a teenager. It's always stuck with me. But it was it was about uh, this young boy who was at, at the beach at Shoreside. And the tide had gotten really high the night before and come in and washed back out. And this young boy went for a walk on the beach early in the morning. And that high tide had washed up all of these starfish that were just laying all over the shore with no way to get back in the water. Hundreds and hundreds of them all over the shore. And that young boy was walking along and picking up the starfish, throwing them into the water, picking up another one, throwing it into the water, picking up another one and throwing it into the water. Not much longer after that, an older man walked by and said, hey, what are you doing? And the young boy said, these starfish are going to die out here if they don't get back into the water. The older man looked at him and said, yeah, but look, there are thousands of starfish out here. There's no way that you can save all of these starfish. And the young man looked at the starfish that was in his hand and threw it into the water and said, that one's safe. He picked up another one and said, that one's safe. I know we can't love everybody. You can't save the world yourself. But God's just asking you to love one. Just start there. Love one as you love God and watch what God does. You see, I think God is simply looking for your yes Uh, I mentioned a book a couple of weeks ago, Everybody Always by Bob Goff. He's got another book called Love Does. Both books are excellent about loving people. He's got a quote that says this, I used to think that you had to be special for God to use you, but now I know I simply need to say yes. God is just looking for your yes. I mentioned uh, that we adopted a child last year. And going into that experience, that was it for us? Uh, we, I was very hesitant when we started thinking about it. You know, I mean, there's so many hurdles to overcome, whether we're talking language, whether we're talking about physical impairments or mental impairments. There's a million different reasons why I could say, I don't know if this is going to work. And eventually the Holy Spirit of God just convicted me and said, does any of that matter? I'm just looking for your yes. And I came to the place where I just said Yes. No matter what it meant, no matter how difficult it was going to be, no matter what sacrifices it might have meant that we were going to make, and it, it's worked out wonderfully. We're so happy with what God has done in our lives and in, in Nate's life as well. But there comes a point in your life, in your situation as well, I'm not patting myself on the back, because we all have these situations where we just simply have to say, God, you've got my yes. Yes. No matter what it means, God, you have my yes. We're going to celebrate communion here in just a moment. This is God's yes to us. Because God so loved each one of us without any guarantee that we were going to follow him or be good people or Live up to these expectations that he lines out for us to love God and love others. But yet, communion is a reminder that says he loved you anyway. His sacrifice is for you. As we get ready to take communion, I want to ask you, would you just take a moment and give God your yes. In whatever form that may mean for you. That's going to be different for every single one of us. But God invites us to follow him, to know him. As his word says, to die to ourselves, we could take up his cross. We could be forgiven of our sins. God simply just wants our yes. Would you pray with me? Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you that you have made the way, Lord, that we might truly know you. Father, we're not capable of loving other people or even loving ourselves well, Father. But when we look at the cross and we realize how you so loved each one of us, Father, it's so humbling. And we just declare, Lord, that we need you. And Father, we just want to begin by surrendering. If you're here today and you're at a place whether for the first time or the millionth time. You just need to say, Jesus, thank you for the cross and I surrender my life to you. Would you forgive me of my sins? Would you make me a new creation? Thank you for the blood of Christ today. I'm going to ask if you would just take a moment and reflect Love is our response. It's action. What is the action because of the love of God in your life that He wants you to take? In just a moment, we'll take communion. We'll call you forward and you come down the outside aisle, starting at the back and back through the inside aisle. We're going to take just a minute or two here and Josh is going to lead us in some worship. Would you just reflect on what God would have you do?